Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is the show where geeks talk about God, episode 64. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. Man, it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I mean, it's actually, it's been looking a lot like Christmas for a while. Well, yeah, and seeing as this is coming live, I think, like, two days before Christmas, I yeah, think. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we're, we've already got, you know, Maids of Milkin'. We've already got Lords of Leaping. We're we're down to the end. Yeah, you just nothing. Oh come on! I it's even a it's even a board game reference for goodness sake. I, you know, I didn't even realize that was a game until I watched Tabletop, and I'm like, huh, I kind of want that's it. Interesting. I kind of want it. Just you know, you figured you'll get one play a year out of the game, but uh, we're talking about a game called uh, Twelve Days. Twelve Days, based on the song, and uh, it's basically a trick-taking game with a couple little fun. Uh, elements thrown in, but that's not what we're talking about today, man. How are things going there? Are the uh, is the family uh, Christmas castle uh, been established yet? <laughs> it's been a weird experience, just because I'm close enough to home that I see it all the time, but far enough away from home that I I wasn't present when it went up. And it's it's a weird kind of middle ground that I live in this year, so it's it's kind of ridiculous. And my my parents have learned the fine art, shall we say, of gathering up their sons who have been dispersed into the into the wayward world. <laughs> to, uh, to, when, whenever to boxes need that. to be lugged, yes. suddenly we're getting invited for dinner. Yes. Uh, well, hey, you know, I'm looking forward to the day when uh, well, I'm going to have to have maybe some son-in-laws, but, uh, uh, you know, to uh, to come over and do some lugging for me. Hey, I, I've, se- I've seen pictures. I've seen pictures of the fact that you're training your girls to be archers and woodsmen. Yeah, well, I have a funny feeling they could do some lugging too. Yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, this year uh, my oldest daughter helped me with the Christmas lights, so that was kind of cool. Uh, especially since I hate doing Christmas lights with a great and terrible passion. So it's kind of nice, though, to to at least make it an experience. That's pretty fun. Um, and, uh, things are, things are going well, like right now, you know, the dog is curled up here next to me, and the, the, uh, stockings are hung by the chimney with care, and, uh, the Christmas tree's all lit up, and, uh, there's the, uh, nativity scene, and over there is, uh, you know, there's about six Santas over in that direction, and, nice. and th- things are going good, Christmas to shopping is done. See, th- and... this year I can say with a, with kind of... I don't know what to, what I'm feeling about it. We don't really have a lot of Christmas decorations up. You want to know why? Because while your dog is sitting kindly at your feet, just snuggling and being quiet, mine is a terror who literally uh, turns one, t- like, tomorrow. Yeah, see, uh, mine is a 12-year-old hunting lab. Who, yeah. Uh, I am master. Yeah, my, my, my dog turns one tomorrow. So he's very much still a puppy, and so the idea of having a, a tree at all, let alone a tree with lights <laughs> and ornaments, yeah, not so yeah, much. No. My dog, it's uh, you know, you know the kind of ideal like the dog has a telepathic link. You could just talk to him in English, and they know exactly what you want to do. Oh That's yeah, my dog. So, uh, but uh, but again, after twelve years, it's not. It's a little bit easier to build that relationship. Yes, we're, we're hoping we're hoping my dog grows into that. <laughs> well, you got 11 years to go. And, uh, all right, man. So, I, I know it's a busy time of year, but have you been playing any games? 
I've been playing a lot of games, actually. In fact, earlier today, uh, we were having my wife and I were having date night, and we were playing Small World, which was her recommendation. All right. Uh, the board game or the uh, digital game? The board game. I have yet to pick up the digital game. I have been hovering over that Buy Now button several times, but I, I have yet to push that push it and pull that trigger as it were. Very good. Uh, very no, good. it was it was what, the board uh, game. What race combo won the game? Uh it was the what it was the Forest Amazons. Well, that seems like an appropriate place to put Amazons. Yeah, I mean, needless to say, there have been several games that I've played with my, with my wife that I will almost buy the Amazons. I don't care if they're the bottom and I have to spend all sorts of of points to to get them. I will buy the Amazons just because she always ends up winning. I had a solid lead. I had a solid lead, and then she busted out the Amazons and had back-to-back 20-point rounds. Nice. Lousy, no-good Amazons. Well, on the <laughs> other hand, you got to play board games on date I did, and it was it's really cool. I, I like seeing how, how giddy she gets when she beats me. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, it's just the way of it, and... It's also really funny because there's a, there's a psychology that happens in my wife when she plays board games. I, I can tell which games she doesn't like because those are the ones that I beat her at. And I can tell the ones that she likes because they're the ones she beats me at. So she likes Munchkin and Small World, and I like pretty much every other game. <laughs> I think that Munchkin is a girl's game. Oh, she consistently destroys me. In fact... She destroys me all the time. She has an alternate win condition. Uh, she's got to get X amount. Her alternate win, her alternate win condition. She'll, she'll and she'll tell people straight up when we play. She goes, "I have two ways of winning. Um, the first way is to get to level ten in the normal fashion. The other one is to make sure that I have a higher level than Mike." There you go. It's a personal win. Yeah, it's it's a, a moral victory. Right. So, so Luke, what have you been up to lately? Uh, you know, I I actually had a bit of a cold this week. You probably maybe can hear it uh, on the other. I think we're both we're both kind of sniffly right now. Uh, you know, as is the rest of the world. Yeah, I'm dealing and, with a snowpocalypse though. What are you dealing with out there? You in know Cali? what, man? It's 20 degrees in California. Okay, that's cold here. Wow. Uh, are Are uh, you okay? <laughs> yes, I. I am, <laughs> the world could end, and I would be okay, brother. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, we had a cold snap here, um, and hey, you know how it is though. This time of year, everybody gets sick. But that, because of that, I've been playing a lot of video games. Um, we can get to that. Just one of the games I've been playing a lot is Hearthstone, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that mm, uh, at some point later on in the show. By, by the way, I I have to say that I've been it was, it was cool. I I loved all the responses we got to the the thing i put up on the fa- on oh, the nice. facebook group um, our little contest our, our contest which I, I lovingly referred to as hearthstone for christmas and uh i the the gentleman's name i can't i cannot pronounce it but uh he he won and he was so excited uh he did actually come up with a good because for those of you who don't know and who aren't in the facebook group one you should go to the facebook group because we're having fun it's getting bigger it's like every week I, I'm getting email after email after email. So many people, this person wants uh, in the group. Right. Every time I try to to get in there to add them to the group, you've already done it. 
I, I almost I, like, jumped on that. You must have some sort of like preternatural Facebook skill. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, Luke, when we started you know, dispersing all the responsibilities and you put me in charge of Facebook, I take that seriously. <laughs> we, we have a winner for our, uh, our Hearthstone. And uh, have have our. I'm really sorry if I'm I'm mispronouncing this because it I it really just reminds me how much of an international audience we have because it his name requires several special keys that my keyboard doesn't have. Nice, we got a Viking. Yes, and uh, right. he he wanted to see Elder Scrolls as a card game, and I said that is a fantastic idea. Because basically everything that the Elder Scrolls guys do is awesome, so I can only imagine what a card game would look like. Nice. But yeah, so that you know, we we have a winner there, and I'm I'm very pleased. Our our first kind of decent sized contest since we you know unleashed the new site onto the world. Yep. Uh, so definitely, uh, if you're out there playing Hearthstone, a uh, guy whose name that Mike can't pronounce, add me. Uh, a Magdelor, M A G D E L O R. Man, do you know, do we have to add the stupid number? You do have nowadays? to add the stupid number. Why do you have to add the stupid number nowadays? Because uh, Blizzard whatever. is silly that way, and it has to happen. Pound 1511. Okay, that's me. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm Mike the Bard, number one, play. four, four, I will one. totally play with you. I really enjoy this game, uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, I, I did actually pick up Shadowrun Returns. Did you? I'm really okay. curious about how that is. Not really good. <laughs> Really? I've only been playing a little bit, okay? But it's kind of janky, and and I don't know, it feels old. And the story at this point has no... It's absolutely generic. It has no hook whatsoever. I've only played maybe two hours of it, so it could be that it gets better. Um, but, uh, so I uh, speaking of janky games, I've picked up a game on uh, Xbox Live called State of Decay. Uh, if you're not familiar with this game, it is a an open world zombie survival game. Well, I'm, I'm curious because I think I've seen that on Steam, but isn't it like it's also on er, Steam. isn't it like early access on Steam? I have no idea what it is on Steam. <laughs> um, it maybe was just released on Steam. I don't know. It could be, uh, but it's it's a really interesting game. Well, one in the way it plays, it it does have that that kind of re- the, the type of zombie game I like, I don't like the kind of zombie game where there's masses coming at you and you're just mowing them all down. Mm. I like the zombie game where, like, you're sneaking, you have two bullets, and a stick, <laughs> you know? Like the and, first Resident Evil as opposed to the sixth Resident Evil. Right, and, and uh, so what this game does is you can clear areas, you can build uh, home bases... And you are you ha- you're responsible for maintaining the supplies there. You have to have the f- you have to have enough food. You have to have enough medicine. If you don't have enough food, you don't have enough medicine. The other people and there are other characters at these bases start to kind of turn on you. They start taking more of the ammo, so you don't have m- as much ammo. And the currency in the game is not money; it's influence. And so, it, as you do things that help people or that uh, dramatically improve. The, uh, the safety of the location or whatever, you gain influence, and you can use your influence to say, hey, we need to put up a sniper tower here, or, hey, I need a new gun, or whatever. And uh, it's pretty cool that way. 
you can uh, switch between the different characters, uh, and so you can be leveling different characters at the same uh, at the same time. Um, it's got this fatigue mechanic that is. It's not like your typical fatigue mechanic, you know, where you're thinking about, hey, I'm going to sprint for a while, and then I'm going to have to walk, and then I'm going to sprint for a while, then I'm going to have to walk. No, this is more like what a real person would be, and, like, if you get, if you run too far, they're going to end up, like, literally bent over with their hands on their knees, breathing heavy, while the zombies come to eat them. And it doesn't take three seconds to get that back. No, uh uh-uh. And... Uh, the, there's a day-night cycle, and the nights are long. Um, and y- even to the point where you're like, man, this is kind of boring, because I'm not going outside right now, and there's no chance in hell. And <laughs> so I just have to wait until... <laughs> I'm not that stupid. <laughs> ...the sun comes out. Um, so things like that. That said, um, this game makes, like, Grand Theft Auto 2 look like a technological marvel. Yeah. Uh, it is janky. It is jank, jank, jankerson. Okay? <laughs> and, like, if you don't fulfill the quests exactly the way they wanted you to fulfill the quests, ain't gonna work. So, like, at one point, I had to get somebody back home. Right? But I had to do it using a car. And if... You didn't put a car with the person in the car into the parking lot of the back home. You were in trouble. So I'm running down this. I I actually get him in the car. I'm running down. And I I do this awesome thing where I jump the car over the the fence into the church where we are holding up, right? That sounds epic. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. But, of course, the car doesn't hold up, right? car smashed the crap. Well, I figure, hey, I used a car, I got the girl back, everything's good. No. You didn't park the car. So I, I had to get the girl, take the girl with me, run out, find another car, and drive it into the parking lot properly. Oh my goodness. So, yeah, that, that, some of that's uh, some of that is not so good. Uh, but it is a fun game if you're, uh, if you still are old school like me when running your Xbox 360. <laughs> uh, you can play that on there and uh, have some fun. The only board game I played since the last time we recorded is a game called Legends of Andor. I've heard mixed reviews of Andor. What did you think of it? Uh, it's a game that is... Uh, we've talked a lot about Mice and Mystics on this show, and this is similar to that in the sense that it is... or It's also similar to a game like Descent, where it's a campaign. And uh, I played the third step in the campaign. Other groups within our gaming group have played the first and the second. And uh, first off, the board is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's like like a map of Middle Earth or something like that. You know? Sounds um, awesome. it's, it's gorgeous. Full color, beautiful. Um, that said, the, the game, the way the game plays out is each of the characters has a fate card and your fate card tells you what you need to do. For example, the dwarf that I was playing was responsible for going and collecting a couple of farmers, taking them to the tree and, uh, to their wedding, escorting them to their wedding, which was at some, a tree. 
that he had to get him to. Other people had their quest, and uh, one quest might be, you know, you got to kill this particular monster. Another one might be you have to solo this particular monster. And once everybody completes their fate, if everybody completes their fate, it's a co-op game, by the way, uh, then the then the major plot development happens. So if you don't complete your fates, you don't even get to the narrative. Wow. Um, I mean, you get the intro narrative, but you don't get... And even as I was playing, I stopped and asked him, like, wait, guys, what are we doing here? I don't... What's the point? <laughs> uh, and they're like, oh, don't worry. Once we get through the face, you'll fi- figure it out. Okay. So that's a little bit... The narrative to me seemed empty. It didn't seem important. Uh, whereas with a game like Mice and Mystic, the narrative is the game. Right? Uh, and it's the best part of the game. Uh, here the narrative was, was generic and kind of dull and really not as important, and why in the world am I dealing with these people trying to get them to a wedding, whereas another one of the players on our team is trying to kill a troll at the same place where the wedding is. Mm. And, and things just didn't kind of work out right. Um, otherwise, you're basically exploring this map, a huge map, uh, one little nitpicky little thing. Uh, there's about 80 spaces on this map, and they're all numbered. And the numbering... It's not really in order. <clears throat> That's weird. <laughs> so it's like, find space 35. Well, here's space 33 and 34. Where's space 30? Oh, on the other side of the map. Right. <laughs> that, uh, okay. Yeah, that that sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it got to the point where we, we were just joking about it at that, you know. There are a couple of different monster types. Um, there is the smallest monster, and your character, your individual character, is probably... I'm going to say about a toss-up as to whether or not you're going to be able to take out that monster. Maybe as you level and kind of increase your strength, you're probably going to be able to do it. But the basic mechanic is, if you face the monster by yourself, you're going to lose. If you face them together, you're going to win. (laughs) And so that that kind of wasn't very fun. Um, Especially when, you know, you're being... One guy's got sent to one end of the board, and two guys got sent over there, and... You know, and so that was a little uh, unfortunate. Um, and then uh, we got to the boss. Maybe a little bit spoilery. Sorry, folks, but I, okay, I won't. I won't give the details. But when you finally flip over that last card, it was so insanely powerful that you're just like, uh, <laughs> right. Just, just that level of we're never going to beat this guy ever. Yeah, and you you just think, uh, this is not... You went from, like, little tiny guys and medium guys to, like, freaking Godzilla. Okay? (laughs) And uh, so, you know, I would say it was a fun game to play. We certainly enjoyed it, but it wasn't a great game. You know what I mean? No, Um, I can can greatly appreciate the fact that that it kind of... It's nice. Like... oh. And the other thing is, because it was a campaign-based game, so, like, it uses the same board. It actually is a double-sided board. That was pretty cool. Uh, for, like, the first couple of campaigns, you use one board. For the next rest, you use the, the, the other board, you know? The other side of the board. Right. It took forever to set up. Hmm. At least 40 minutes. What? 
Uh, no, no. <laughs> I mean it. It took a long time to get all the because because you got to figure out okay it's like put this on this and this on this and there's a lot of randomization in that process so you have to go through a specific randomizing uh, technique for basically placing all of these different things and then of course there's the ones that get placed um, and we actually ended up where two of the fates cross the stream so to speak okay and they ended up being the two fates would have been mutually exclusive and the basically if you don't complete all the fates the game's over you lose so we like we finally get this board set up we read our fate cards and we go huh we lost you know, because you can't do these two things at the same time. It's not possible. It was, wow! Just, I, just I don't the remember fact, exactly. just the fact that that's a possibility in a game. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember what it was, but it was one of those things where it was like a logical impossibility. You just can't do it. And uh, uh, so, the, yeah, that was unfortunate. It's a good idea. Uh, I think it probably, you know, playing on some of like Mice and Mystic success descent. It's a really cool, fun way to play games with the. the uh, the campaign thing happening, but this one just doesn't get it right the way those other games get it right. Yeah. Oh, you've right. con- you've completely convinced me that there is no reason for me to ever buy that game ever because right, just well, just the fact that you have a shot of spending forty minutes to find out that you'll you you have no chance of success. No. Oh, we did redraw fate cards, so we I mean we fixed it, but. Uh, Again, okay, so that's the, the that, fact that it's a possibility. <laughs> right. So that's a game that maybe you don't want to play. I'll tell you what. Let's talk about some games that you do. Okay. It's the end of the year. What do people do at the end of the year? We do end of year review shows. That's what we do. That's what we do. And uh, we're going to do it too. So here we go. We're going to talk about some of our best of the year. Mike, you sent me the category list and forced me to do work. Now, I didn't force you to do work. Uh, impelled me to do work. You, yeah, that you, might be the case. You invited but invited me to do work. But it's work uh, that I did myself. I, I, In short, guys, I randomly came up with a bunch of categories that I thought were interesting, fun. things that we could talk about, and then pointed them to Luke and said, hey, I think we should talk about these. All right, so I actually have kind of made some notes and lists and stuff because it turned out to be a lot harder than I was expecting it to be. Okay. All right, so uh, why don't we, we'll go, uh, I don't think we want to do Game of the Year first, right? That, nah, that, that right. We'll, we'll save that one. You want to do the I'll, favorite game played this year? There we go. That that one's the easy one for me, so. Yeah, This. so the rundown oh, of this Lord. one like, is. Like, we don't know what you're going to pick. Okay, listen, listen, we all know I'm going to pick Netrunner, but let me set up the category. <laughs> <laughs> So, favorite game played is basically, you know, there's a lot of games that kind of will fall through a crack. It's not necessarily a game that came out this year. Like, as I've already given mine away, mine came out last year. But it's a game that we just discovered this year. Played and it's our favorite. Yeah, so mine is Android Netrunner. There's there's no doubt about it. It's quickly become my favorite game ever. Uh, I'm desperately trying to get more people to play it because of that. And, yeah... It it did come out last year, but I have spent way too much time either playing this or trying to teach people to play it or trying to convince them that they need to have their own set. 
very nice. Mine actually came out two years ago, uh, but I played it for the first time this year. Totally did not think I was going to like it, and really, really did, and that is Dixit. You just played Dixit? It's such a great I game. I know, but like, you know, you go to you go to game night, right? And it's like, hey, let's play this game with these funny-looking cards, or let's play a real game with meeples and dice. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and so, finally, I kind of just ended up in one of the groups that was going to play Dixit, and I was like, oh, this game's awesome! And uh, I won. So, hey, that makes it even better. Yeah, I, I could imagine you doing well in Dixit, because you you kind of have to have that both analytical and yet still kind of artsy weird mind going on and I, I can see you doing well with this <laughs> nice thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, all right so that's our favorite game played how about the game best game that you added to your collection this year i wonder what it's gonna be mike perna <laughs> no i i decided that i wasn't gonna just be cheap and just do the same game that, oh, I, hey, that I just nice. said that's because nice that's redundant i don't you know, obviously i'm super glad that i added that to my collection this year um, I, I busted out, I do want to have one honorable mention here, because while I haven't played it yet, and I still have to learn how to play this game, it's a, got a cool story to it. Um, the honorable mention is Eclipse. The reason it's honorable mention is because of the fact that, uh, we randomly invited some friends from church over to play games, uh, they had d let us know that they were really good, you know, really solid gamers themselves, and, you know, obviously we wanted to play with them. And uh, they came over, and they had a box in their hands, and it was Eclipse. And I go, wow, I I've wanted to play this game for a while, but, dude, it's a weeknight. There's no way we can play Eclipse. Yeah. And, it's and like he a three-hour beast. Right. And so he just hands it to me. He says, this is for you to help you with the ministry. Nice. And, yeah, I, yeah. So I got a game of Eclipse basically handed it to me. Uh, from friends from church, just to to help do what we do and what we want to do with inroads. So, super excited. That was uh from my friends Kevin and Joy. They're awesome people, and yeah. So that's the honorable mention. The one that that I was actually responsible for adding to my collection that I want to do is actually a role playing game, and that is Numenera right. by Monty Cook. Okay. Uh, this game, I'm super glad it's in my collection. I'm still trying to get my players together for it, but I really think there's, uh, there's, it, it needed to be in my collection for a couple reasons. One, I wanted to kind of become more story-based in my role-playing games. Uh, you know, we can rehash some of the, the stuff of me in D&D 4th Edition. Nah. But I... I wanted to be more story-based, and Numenera gives the GM a lot of tools to basically not, you know, force a story to go in a certain way, but it gives the the opportunity to kind of lead a story while giving the players creative ways to get around that. Uh, it really makes the players have connections as to why they're together or why, you know, you know they give experience to each other for for great gameplay. So you're you're not going to have those moments where, you know, you have one guy on the phone cuz it's not his turn and he's got, you know, three more people to go before he has to do anything because everybody is paying attention to everybody else because yeah, there's actual game mechanic for this. 
and and I also have some really cool ideas because of the fact that it takes place on Earth billions of years in the future. I'm uh, there's some, there's some story things that I want to see happen. So I'm really glad it's in, into my collection now. Luke, Fair what enough. about yours? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to do the shout out too. Um, and my shout out goes to Settlers of Catan, which I know seems ridiculous. Okay, I under, I'm aware of that, people. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I have said on the show why I didn't own Settlers of Catan. It was completely unnecessary. No reason to put money into a game that everybody else owns. Uh, but it's significant for me because my kids got it for me for, I think it was for Father's Day. Okay, and, that, yeah, that's awesome. And it kind of ushered in the the era that, you know, my family now, my children and my wife and I, can start sitting down and playing some of these classic games. Um, you know, they're old enough now, they're into it, and they totally get Catan. It's not a problem for them to play it. And so that that's really pretty cool, but... Uh, the game I'm going to give it to is uh, called Timeline. Oh, yeah, you uh, mentioned it. It's the game where you're, like, putting things in order of when they happened. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems really lame, but it is such a good game to play with a group of people that have never played a game together. Because it's so intuitive, you get it. And we all kind of share the same connections with these experience, these events or these books or these inventions or whatever you ha- whichever deck you happen to be playing with and uh it's you know we're all kind of dumb you know we don't know these things the way we maybe should and uh so it's a lot of fun a great way to get people who don't typically game or people who are just getting together to game for the f- together for the first time it's one of those games where it's like hey, okay let's play this and we're going to insta bond and uh, you know, a lot of what we're doing now with Inroads is kind of along those lines. And uh, so for me, Timeline, I think, is a great choice uh, for at the game to add to a collection. Something that you can really use, not just have fun with, but really use to build your gaming community. Yeah, I've seen it around. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. It does look like a really interesting game. All, All right, right, so why don't we talk about... The best game publisher. Now, Mike, you threw this one in there. I kind of it was a curveball. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't expecting to see this. Well, I think that that we've we've had enough moments where we've talked about publishers, uh, especially because there you know there are certain publishers that put out the kind of games that we like. So I thought it was important that we we kind of bring that up because, especially as as games come into its you know you know I don't want to just use this term but I, I kind of have to. As games kind of have their renaissance these days, publishers and the people who who put out the games and the people who design the games are becoming really important part of what games you buy. It, you know what? I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think because of the way the market is moving and what certain of these companies are doing to move the market, um, some of these companies have a really significant effect in what we do as gamers. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still those companies that are out there making the same kind of games they've been making for a long time. Right. And those of us who go to gaming conventions and things like that, we're going to still love them. But there are certain companies that have made things happen over the last couple of years. And I think this year, you know, maybe there's been work being 
being done in, in previous years, but this year was the year things really, the harvest started. Right. Um, and so I actually really kept that in mind when I made my list. And uh, for me, it came down to two. Um, the one that did not get the award uh, is the company called Days of Wonder. Now, probably most people who are listening to the show know who Days of Wonder is, but just in case. Even if you don't know, you know the games that Days of Wonder puts absolutely. out. Um, and the two biggest franchises that Days of Wonder uh, manages are, uh, of course, Ticket to Ride and Small World. But they also do memoir. Uh, they just came out with a game recently, I think probably at Essen. Um, what is that game called? Temple Runners something. I think it's Temple Runners. Relic Runners, Relic Runners, that's what the game is called, uh, that uh, some people are saying is even as good or better than Ticket to Ride, um, and always super high-quality components. But the thing that really kind of, for me, sets Days of Wonder apart is they were the company that got their games into major stores first. And they were the one who really kind of pushed down that door. Um, so for them, I definitely give them my honorable mention. But I think the company that did it this year, that put out the best stuff, that's doing the most innovative stuff, is Fantasy Flight. Um, they are the company behind all of the living card games. Yep. Uh, not all of them anymore, but they're the ones who invented the idea. So your Netrunner, your you know I play Lord of the Rings. Um, there's a, I think there's a Cthulhu one. There's there's a bunch. Okay. I will also say that Fantasy Flight is doing a really good job of going on YouTube and making tutorial videos. The fact that they I learned how to play great. Netrunner, I learned how to play Netrunner before I even got the game because they have a phenomenal tutorial on how to play Netrunner on their YouTube channel. Absolutely. Uh, Fantasy Flight also does the Elder Tours, Arkham Horror. Uh, do they do Elder Sign? Is that uh, Fantasy Flight? I think it is. Uh, I believe and, it is. Um, what else do they... Oh, Star Wars Miniatures. Uh, they... Um, which uh, then connects you with uh, Star Trek Attack Wing. Uh, Game of Thrones. Descent. Uh, these guys just kick tail. Okay? Uh, they are one of the the preeminent companies out there, and for me this year, they get the award. How about you, Mike? I, I have to say that the Fantasy Flight was definitely my number two. And I went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff that they're doing. They are a company that is well worth watching. But I kind of went with the what, what people started this year thinking as kind of an underdog in the publishing world but has become a mighty force of just continually putting out great, great games. And even as I put together lists of, of the games that I enjoyed recently and the games that I looked forward to, uh, the games that were uh, either in the running for Game of the Year or Favorite Game Played or both, um, a lot of them came from the guys at Plaid Hat. Absolutely. They were, they were up there for me. Uh, as well, uh, but I'll tell you why I didn't is because my Sims Six came out last year. This is true. Yes, 
I, I will say, uh, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a heads up. My game of the year was from Plaid Hat, and it did come out this year, but it's probably not the one you're thinking. Okay, interesting. Well, we, you'll have to keep listening, folks. I'll have to keep talking because I want to know what he has to say now. Uh, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Plaid Hat. Uh, Plaid Hat, they just make phenomenal games. They they've kind of like they've come in under the radar. Uh, the first time I really heard about them was Mice and Mystics. I'm sure they've uh, before that. I think they did. I think Summoner Wars came out before Mice and Mystics. But I, they were kind of... I, I didn't really hear much about it, other than, you know, people were saying it, it was good, but it kind of started out with an audience that would just like that kind of game. Summoner Wars, Mage Wars, all that stuff. I'm like, okay, it, it didn't stick out to me. It has now become a game that I want because I've looked more into it because I like so many of these other games from the company. But Mice and Mystics is fantastic, and, and I kind of don't want to mention the other ones because I gave that, that teaser, and I don't want to give that away. Fair enough. But year after year, time after time, they continue to put out just awesome stuff with great components. Um, I can say for from experience, at Gen Con, they were my favorite guys to talk to. They Everybody that was there, at least the, everyone that I talked with, knew the games, loved the games, could demo the games, and yeah, it's it's just a great company that makes great games. All right. Well, I, I can't disagree with you. I think you've got a, a strong choice there. The good news is there's a ton of great companies out there making a ton of good stuff. Oh, yeah, and we, we haven't even scratched the surface. I mean, one of the games that I really enjoyed at Gen Con and I want to add to my, my collection soon, and, and one of them that I did uh, is Asmodee. Asmodee yeah. is a great company. and, and Big I mean, company, too. Yeah, there's lots of them that are out there. And uh, one thing that I would I'd recommend that, that our listeners start doing, if you find that you like a game, if you're you're really sold out on a game that you love, check out who puts it out. Because the likelihood that they're going to put out other games like that is really high. Yeah, a lot of these companies have kind of a look and feel um, that is theirs. Right. Uh, and certainly in terms of their level of quality, if the, you know, most of these companies aren't going to, uh, put out games that are below their internal standards. Now there are a couple companies out there who are basically just distribution companies. Um, and so you might want to keep an eye out on that, but, but for the most part, these publishers, um, they're really, I mean, the cool thing about this industry is that they're, they're really into this, you know, it's. Not like maybe our next category. Uh, (laughs) Some of the companies uh, in the video game world are, they're more about the business. Right. Uh, Right now, board game companies are run by people who love board games and who hopefully happen to be good businessmen, businesswomen as well. So that uh, that gets us to our next category, taking a little spin away from board games. Uh, into the Vigi games. We spend uh, enough time mentioning video games that we figured we'd at least toss in a generic what's our favorite video game from this year. You know, I wanted to say Hearthstone. I did too. I did too. The truth is, it's because I'm really enjoying it right now. The reason I didn't is primarily because it's still in closed beta. You know, and it's not the best game of the year. It's not, but it feels like it should be. You know, so let's talk. Let's spend, take a couple of minutes here. And now that I'm playing Hearthstone, because I don't think, I think maybe I'd played for like a day last time we recorded. Yes. Um, 
so let's talk a little bit about Hearthstone. Folks, uh, for those of you who maybe don't know, uh, it is uh, put out by Blizzard. It's set in the world uh, in the world of World of Warcraft, uh, in the Warcraft world, um, and it is a uh, trading card, a digital trading card game, um, akin to Magic, you know, something like that. Uh, you play as one of nine character classes, uh, the nine original major character classes of World of Warcraft. Uh, you build a 30-card deck, and uh, you battle it out to uh, take out the other guy. And um, so, Mike, uh, you've been—I assume you've been playing a little bit more over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I have been. I I play it. I probably get in at least a couple of games of it every night, just because it's a real simple game to get into. And when my wife goes to bed, I can just. You know, turn it on real quick and get a couple games in. Uh, so tell me, what are you thinking about it now? You've uh, you've had a couple more weeks. How do you feel about the game? I I think that I I really enjoy all of it, but I will say that this is worth it. If if all you do is play arenas, this game is worth it just for that. I I think the arena mode is my favorite part of Hearthstone. It is a, it's basically to give you a out-of-the-digital-world experience. It's kind of like going to a Magic tournament where you're doing a draft. It's a draft. It, it, that's basically what it is. Um, Except that other characters aren't drafting the same cards that you are. No, they're drafting a complete different set of cards to, based on their character and, and other stuff like that. So I, you, you really never know what you're going to get. Uh, sometimes it goes well, sometimes it goes poorly, sometimes... You, you know you're you're trying to on the fly plan on maybe I can work this strategy but it all depends on if I get this card uh, there are times when you kind of find combinations of things because you never would have thought to play this card with the other one but you know now that the arena kind of forces you to you find out wow that worked out really well um, it's how I found out about uh, the the buzzard snake trap combination which if you're playing a hunter deck I highly recommend it. So yeah, it's just it's a fantastic fantastic way to play this game. Uh you know, I have been playing quite a bit. Uh like I said I was sick and so I had about 2 days where I was just at home doing nothing. Yeah, your paladin deck schooled me. And uh the the thing I'm enjoying the game, but I haven't decided about it yet. Uh, I mean, I'm going to keep playing the game, though, no question about it. It's nice that it's free, uh, though I have spent a little bit of money on it. But it's 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 interesting because it does some things that you just can't, that simply can't be done in other games, uh, other card games. But on the other hand, it's way simpler than most card games. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'll tell you the thing that, that uh, for those of you who are fans of Magic, there are no interrupts in this game. And so you don't have the situation where... Player A casts a spell, player B counters, player A recounters, and back and forth and back and forth. On your turn, you are acting. You're not going to do anything on your opponent's turn other than think. <laughs> and uh, uh, So for somebody who's used to playing Magic or a card game like Magic, that's a little weird. And it really does simplify things quite a lot. That said, you, there are a lot of combos that you can put together. Uh, you definitely build decks with good synergies. And then, you know, you don't have those interrupts and things, but th they're really smart about doing things that you couldn't do with physical cards. Give you an example. 
you'll play a card that will play a random card. Right. Like, it couldn't do that otherwise. You can play secrets, which you could, I suppose, do by playing a card face down or something along those lines. But there are little things like that, and I, th- and I think they're only going to just develop that further out. I really kind of like the fact that they're just engaging with that this is a digital medium. We can do things. Yeah, and they're 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 adding a lot of especially with the legendary cards, they're getting special animations. Yeah. And some of those legendary cards are brutal. Yeah, they are. Like, you know, you're playing along and somebody drops an orange card and you're like, I lose. Game over. But then again, some of them are utterly silly. Some of them are silly. Uh you, you know, the Elite Torrin uh, the chieftain, chieftain card where it, you know, momentarily turns the entire arena into uh, a rock concert. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, they they are definitely having fun with it. Um, Is it the best game of the year? No. Is it the game that I'm probably going to play more than any other game that came out this year? Probably. Probably. All right. So as I went back, um, first things first, uh, there's a lot of games I didn't play this year. Uh, And we've talked about on the show that I'm kind of down on video games right now. And so our new Super Mario, the Super Mario 3D Land, there's supposed to be the most amazing Mario ever. Haven't played it. Yeah. Uh, Link Between Worlds, haven't played it. Uh, Last of Us, haven't played it. So understand that I'm just choosing amongst games that I've played, at least in this category. Right. The big thing I always I always cite is that we're not a review show, so we're not covering everything. We're just letting you guys know what we think is the best right. and what we think you should check out. So I gave serious consideration to Don't Starve. Yeah. That was on uh, that was on my short list because I thought that was such an innovative fun game and just even thinking about it it's like man I need to go back and play some more Don't Starve. I I almost gave it to Sim City. Really? Oh, the which, controversy that would have ensued. <laughs> yeah, at which though I think that game technically came out last year but it came out this year for Mac. And so I I enjoyed that game. I had a lot of I spent a lot of time with that game, but ultimately there was a piece of art this year. It was so good. How do you not pick it? And that was Bioshock Infinite. I, I mean, it was beautiful. There are moments in that game that you're just like, time to put down the controller. I will say that I both completely agree with you, and yet I didn't pick it. You did not. I, I, I'm I'm shocked uh, that you didn't pick it. So tell me, what did you pick? I, I picked a game called Papers, Please. Oh, did you really? I didn't know that you played it. I, I picked Papers, Please. There's no doubt in my mind that I did it. I, I wanted to pick Bioshock Infinite because of the exact thing that you just said. It is a gorgeous game, but then I, I started to realize something. It wasn't the game experience that did that to me. It's the environment and the story, which is True. great. True. And it, it doesn't take away from the game other than the fact that when I think of the best video game that I've played, the, the actual game of it should be affected in that and really if you strip away the pretty and the story you have a mediocre first person shooter in Bioshock Infinite true and and you bring up a good point and it's I think maybe because I've gotten so much into board games but these days I'm really more about the game mechanic in the game than the story and you know I think back a few years to Red Dead Redemption Janky game. Oh, yeah. Awesome story, and I loved it. Now, I really want good game mechanics. 
Uh, that said, I did still pick Bioshock because I think uh, it was it was beautiful. But uh, I, I don't think you're wrong in picking that. I don't think you're wrong in picking it. There were uh, some lists of best video game that put Grand Theft Auto at first, and that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I agree. But I, I think Bioshock is a good choice. But the reason Papers Please uh, kind of hit it for me was because of the fact that the, the, even the mechanics of the game kind of fit this story. And it made you... It's a very simple game. You were basically a border guard for a... Soviet bloc. So, yeah, it's basically... Yeah. It, it they don't it's made up countries but it might as well be during the Iron, Iron Curtain. Curtain kind of a thing yeah and uh, so you're in a position where you're trying to feed your family and yet you get people in these heartbreaking situations uh, the the one that I always bring up is that there's one one of the scenarios is is that you you let this woman through her paperwork all checks out and she hands you a note afterwards. And it says, when this guy comes through, he is taking me into prostitution. I need you to arrest him. If you don't arrest him, I'm going to spend the rest of my life as a prostitute. And so this guy comes through and all his paperwork checks out. He has every reason to come into the country. And the game makes you make the decision. Do I lose the money and possibly get written up and penalized by my job? So that, you know, my grandmother doesn't eat and we don't ha- and, and half my family freezes this month. Or do I stop this guy from doing a terrible thing for another person? And and the fact that that's just one of the many, many just gut punch scenarios in this game. The fact that I had I found myself wondering what the heck am I supposed to do with this on this what is essentially a very simple very you know it it the graphically it looks kind of silly but oh my goodness the power behind that game i couldn't help but give it to papers please i think dude that is a bold choice and it is a great great choice um good on you man all right well let's kind of move on to our next one before we get to game of the year i we i kind of threw this one in there because of the fact that especially lately the past couple episodes we've been talking a lot about game adaptations, where board games go into video games and video games go into board games. Yep. So we want to talk about the best game adaptation, and I think I'm going to start this one. I think there's a lot of potential for this one, so I don't know if we're going to get the same, but I know for me, I had to give this to Elder Sign Omens, which is the digital version of Elder Sign. You lose. Oh, well. All right, let me tell you why you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> Elder Sign Omens, the reason I picked this is because Elder Sign, in and of itself, is a really simple game. It is Cthulhu Yahtzee. You are rolling dice and matching symbols to to basically get Elder Signs and win. You know, stop, stop, stop the ancient evil from coming into the world. Uh, Omens takes it to another level. It starts adding levels of complexity to the game because you start getting things that can't really be done in the simple dice game. Like, uh, on several of, of the larger, harder bad guys, you start getting things like, oh, uh, you have four days to get allies because then this guy shows up and then you're neck deep in Cairo. Uh, oh, you know, you need to make sure that you get supplies because if you don't have supplies, when you go to this expedition out into the snowy wastes, you're going to starve to death. Like, it, it puts a whole other level to it. Like, even when you're going to fight Cthulhu, 
it it brings in the mythos because to go to Cthulhu, you don't just fight Cthulhu. You have to go out to sea because that's where he shows up. And there's a whole other level that happens beyond that. I think it's just a, it it adds so much while still being very true to the original game. You know, I would totally agree with you. Uh, Elder Shadows Atonement is my favorite iOS board game, if you want to call it a board game. The reason I didn't choose it is because it came out in 2012. Okay, yeah, you're right. I flipped it in there because it just came out for Steam. Oh, fair enough. See? You win. Look at the shoe. <laughs> uh, you know, I kind of I went back and forth. Uh, Lords of Waterdeep recently came out. I, I haven't had a chance to play it, but I bet it might have been my winner had I had a chance to play it. Um, of course, it's going the other direction. The uh, there's the Planet Hat Games Bioshock Infinite game. Yep, uh, I, that was that, that was up there too for me. Uh, but the game I chose was Small World Two, which is not Small World Two. It's Small World, the digital version, the second of the digital versions. Does that make sense? Yep. There was a Small World digital version that wasn't very good, and now there's Small World Two, which <laughs> is essentially the Small World game that's better. That's, uh, that's pretty much all that needs to be said. Uh, it is uh, a better incarnation of Small World. The only problem, the thing that really bugs me, is that it's tablet only. Yes. I Unless it just came... That also just came out on Steam. Yeah. Oh, did it really? Okay, well, I'll pick it up on Steam then. <laughs> oh, see? Uh, oh, you have to do that, because now if you get it on Steam, then I'll be tempted to get it so that we can play each other, and that's craziness. Very good. So... So that's the uh, the video game and the board game world squishing together. Now we'll leave the video games behind and move into the game of the year. So we're talking about games that came out in 2013. That said, we didn't have to play them. Yeah, <laughs> because... because so many great games came out, there's not a chance in the world that we would have a chance to play all of them. So we want to We are to not Tom Vassell. And... Yeah, we don't we don't have game, you know, companies Jumping, you know, to to have us look at their game. Though, again, Plaid Hat, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I mean, I played a lot of games. I probably played 50 games this year. Um, but even those, you know, if one of the members of our game group doesn't buy a game the year that it comes out, and some of these games are hard to get to, there's a lag time. It's just the way it is in this hobby. Right. Um, Mice and Mystics is just started coming to the table at our game group. These kind of things, they just take a little time to filter through the system to where we get to play them. Um, but that said, we know about a lot of games. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, Mike. So, uh, what did you think for Game of the Year? I have a guess, but I'm going to be interested to find out if I have it right. All right. I, I went back and forth on this. I wanted to pick the Bioshock Infinite game. Uh-huh. I wanted to. Because but you didn't. It, I didn't. I wanted to because it, it just does a phenomenal job of both being true to the license that it has, which is hard in a board game. It's and hard especially to Especially with that license. Right, especially <laughs> with that license. It but it it has it, but it takes it in a completely different way, and I love that, and it's a fantastic concept. But I didn't. Uh I I could have uh I almost did uh Caverna just on sheer hype alone. Right. Uh-huh. But there's a game that I found at Gen Con. I didn't realize it came out this year until I went to Board Game Geek to research for this. 
And I found out that it did, in fact, come out this year. And because of that, it immediately became my choice. It is a game that, that I actually bought and demoed because I was waiting for Bioshock Infinite and couldn't get to it. That is a game of City of Remnant. All right. That is what I expected you were going to choose. City of Remnant, the reason it... it came up there above and beyond the fact that I think it's just a fantastic game and it has it's a ton of fun to play. The reason that I'm calling it game of the year is because of all the mechanics that come into this and and the the weird little dance that they do that that they all come together in such a beautiful little package. City of Remnant seems like a really complex game and in a way it is. There's a lot of strategy involved. There's a lot of planning out how your gang interacts with other gangs and and how you fit. I mean, heck, I did an article for the Inroads site just about the the morality involved in this game and, and it, that next level of, of understanding what's going on here and what's at stake. So there's a lot that could be there. At the same point, when we did the, the Extra Life charity event, I introduced a, a friend of mine who is just getting into board gaming at all. Like, he's been primarily a video gamer. He He's only just now realizing what board gaming has to offer. And he settled into this game, which I thought was going to be pretty complex. He settled into it really quickly and ended up barely coming in second. I mean, as in, he almost got the win. He almost completely destroyed all of us. And he'd never played board games before. So it, it juggles the, the complexity of, like, a I would say a... a mid it's not quite a heavyweight because those games are crazy but it <laughs> but it's a, a a solid midweight kind of strategy game while at the same point being very accessible to people who don't know how to play it yet and so anybody that can do that deserves a mention nice very good choice so what about you Luke I'm I'm dying to hear all right well I did the same thing as you did and and thought about Caverna um and I may have a different opinion when I play the game. We'll see. This game is going to either be amazing or a pile-on. And I don't know which one it's going to be, so I didn't choose it. I thought really seriously, and probably for me, kind of personally, the game that I would play uh, would be Forbidden Desert. Uh, you know how much I love co-op games, uh, how much I love family and, games. And you've mentioned, yeah, you've mentioned Forbidden Desert yeah. before. Um, that that was really, really high up. I wanted to choose that. But the game that I chose, it, and I, I think people maybe are going to disagree with me a little bit on this, but I think it's doing something really, really significant in the board gaming world. And I've seen it have an effect on my own board game group, and that is Pathfinder, the card game. Really? Yeah. Okay, I, I explain this, because I've... I've I've just every time I see the Pathfinder card game I go why don't I just play Pathfinder? Exactly. That's because you're a role player. This is true. So for those of you who don't know, Pathfinder the card game takes the complexity of the role playing game and brings it down into board game mechanics. Now it doesn't bring it down into miniature combat mechanics like say Dungeons and Dragons 4th edition. Uh, what it does is it turns it into a board game. You have players, your players level, you have campaigns, you move through those campaigns. Um, 
but all of the mechanics of the game happen as a card game. And you're right, from a role player's perspective and from my perspective, you say, well, why would you want to do that? Why would you want the card to tell you who your uh, player is? Why would you want to have the cards determine what monsters you're going to face? Why, why don't you want a game master to do that? But what I've seen is from a board gamer's perspective, board gamers who never wanted to say, I don't want to do that role-playing game thing, and that seems too too into it, man. People have to, have to do way too much work for that. They're loving the dungeon crawl. They're loving killing monsters. They're loving grabbing loots. They're loving leveling up. And it's bringing people into the role-playing experience, uh, but it's doing it without having to have the, the, the player's manual and having to go through the player's manual and roll dice and set up stats and choose feats and buy equipment and get healing surges and doing all of the things that you need to figure out how to do to play a role-playing game. And those of us who've been playing role-playing games forever, okay, well, that's not a problem. But for people who are coming at it from the board gaming perspective, that's really, really different than what they're used to doing. You know, they're used to sitting down and having a play. They're, they're used to having a playthrough, and that's what you can do with the uh, the Pathfinder card game. And so I think for bringing that world together and doing it successfully, I think this year they should get Game of the Year. All right, I can see that. You don't seem to agree with me so much, but that's all right. Uh, I knew that it was going to be a, kind of an outsider's well, it... uh, choice, but that's okay. No, well, if you look at, again, like I said, one of the, the biggest things I did for, for researching what I was going to choose myself, I went to Board Game Geek, and Board Game Geek, Path, the Pathfinder card game is on their on their big list. It's something, like, in the top, I think it's in the top, like, couple hundred, and it just came right. out. It's definitely in the hotness list. So, I mean, cl- clearly people like right. it. Uh, and, and board it's, gamers It's like just it. not my That's thing. the thing, is board gamers like it. Role players don't like it necessarily, but board gamers do. Right, because we we, we would just go out and play Pathfinder. Right. Um, but you know, and it's interesting. I mean, it's soloable, so that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, but it, it does something different. It does something that hasn't been done. Uh, even the Lord of the Rings uh, Living Card Game, which is very similar, uh, doesn't have the 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 role playing mechanics the leveling mechanics and it does have the campaigns but it doesn't have the leveling mechanics it's not an ongoing thing uh, mice and mystics does have a little bit of that um, again the game that I I played this week uh, legends of andor has that uh, so I think it's cool that we're getting more complex dungeon crawls in the board gaming world that makes me happy so there we have it that's our <laughs> year uh, you know and it's been a big year for us. It it has been. I think I think we should kind of you know I know we're we're kind of creeping up on the long end of the spectrum here, but I really think that we should you know just appreciate the fact that we've seen a lot of stuff change. A lot of stuff has has really come together both for the this podcast and also for the new ministry we've got. It's fun that we don't have to talk about Project Awesome anymore. And like it actually has a name, Absolutely. and that we have this this team of people that are helping us do it, and and uh, I love the fact that uh, I was talking to to somebody the other day, 
And I said, yeah, I kind of can't wait until the group eventually realizes that we've given them the power to post whatever they want. And she goes, well, you need to tell us that. And so I, I said, all right, it's been a while since I've mentioned it. So I put up a pinned post and said, this group is yours. You know, you can post what you want as long as you, you know, maintain a level of civility. We're not going to, you know, spend a lot of time watching what you post. And all of a sudden, all these people have started posting comments. And, and I think uh, the I posted a link to the article I did about playing evil role-playing characters and playing my current evil character. And I, I put it up there just to, to see what people would do. I think it's up to like 40 different comments on there right now. And they're deep, insightful comments. And, and I love that. And I'm only excited to see how that's going to grow and increase as, the, as we get, keep going on. We've only been at this... Project Awesome has only been live a couple weeks now. Well, and, and we're already getting people who want to be involved. Uh, and folks, if you want to be involved in Inroads Ministries, uh, first thing you should do is go to inroadministries.com and check it out. See what we're doing. Uh, listen to the last episode where we go into a little bit. Was it last episode, man? Two episodes ago. I don't know. Figure it, it out. Too, go by through. It, find the episode that talks about <laughs> uh, Inroads Ministries. And listen to that one. To, listen to what we're going to be doing, what we are doing there already. And if you're interested in, in getting involved in that, shoot us an email. Now, here's the thing, okay? We, uh, we'll, we'll respond to your email probably almost immediately. But uh, we want to say this out. The, the, response, the response will probably be, we saw this. We're going to look Absolutely. it over and get That's back kind to of you. Thing, right? We have a team of people who are building this ministry. Uh, we are all over the country. We get together. Uh, we get together about once a month uh, to do our kind of leadership meetings, and so we we are paying attention to you. We are responding, but we want to be responsible about the way that we run this organization. And so we're not just going to just you know do things unilaterally. We're going to actually sit down as a leadership team and talk about it, think about it, pray about what we want to do uh, with each person who decides that they're that they want to be involved in Inroads Ministries. Uh, and so, but we, we really are excited about what you guys are, uh, are interested in doing with us. Uh, like you said, that Facebook group, that Facebook group yeah, has become and, a thing of its own, man. Uh, uh, absolutely. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad that when we were first talking about, like I said, I, I got named as the Facebook guy. And at first it was kind of just because I was mostly the one that was on Facebook. And now I'm really happy that I got that gig because I'm absolutely loving what's happening at the Facebook group. I love that there are comments that are happening that I didn't instigate. Well, and for somebody like me, I check Facebook like once every three days. And it's like, you know, hey, your sister did this, your cousin did this. And 17,000 people did things on. <laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have right. 50 notifications 49 of them were yeah. from games <laughs> uh, so you know but that's awesome you guys go at it love your Facebooking have fun with that um, and uh, you can find that at facebook.com slash groups slash game store profits uh, you can download the show on iTunes uh, go to iTunes leave us uh, reviews. Uh, of course, we like the positive ones, but hey, whatever you whatever you think, go ahead and, and leave it. You know, you can uh, head over to GameStoreProfits.com. Uh, we know that the uh, the RSS feed only goes back so far. 
Uh, and so if you, you want all those old episodes, they're back there. And uh, you can definitely check those out. Go to inroadsministries.com to see all of the stuff we're doing. Uh, Mike is a article writing machine. Uh, <laughs> and so you got all kinds of stuff going on there. Uh, multiple authors talking about the different aspects of how we are geeks and we are gamers and we are God followers. And uh, how those things come together. Uh, we got a store there. You can go and you can buy the stuff that we talk about on this show while supporting the organization. And uh, let's see, man. Uh, Mike at inroadsministries.com. Luke at inroadsministries.com. If you want to talk to both of us, contact at inroadsministries.com. If you, for whatever reason, just want to talk about game store profits, it's gsprofits at gmail.com. Com. Uh, did I miss any? Twitter. We're on Twitter at the various things. Um, Facebook.com <laughs> slash Inroads Ministries uh, to get the Inroads Ministry stuff. We are all over the place, guys, and we are all over the place because of you. And uh, for me, man, this has been a crazy year. I was not expecting that this is what we would be talking about when this year rolled into existence. Well,. When you when you start realizing, I started looking at, at when dates of when happen? emails started to happen and when messages started to happen. It was it was basically right around the, our our two year anniversary as a podcast. So right around I June, can't even believe that is when That's we started. Crazy. This. Yeah, it was earlier this year that Project Awesome became a thing, and Project Awesome is now Inroads Ministries. That's pretty cool. Man. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, so, folks, I hope you have a uh, great Christmas, Mike. Hope you have a, a good time in your non-Christmas house? <laughs> well, the Christmas right. house is well, only I'll a block and a half away, so we're okay. Tree. I'll think about you and mourn. Uh, there you go. Folks out there, remember, we didn't talk very much, <laughs> about, uh, very much about it in this uh, particular episode, but of course, uh, we are all here doing what we are doing because Jesus was born, because he lived a incredible, perfect life where he showed us how to love one another. He went to the cross for us. He died and he rose again. And uh, that's what we celebrate on Christmas. We celebrate the incredible ministry of the Incarnation. And uh, and so I hope that you'll take a little bit of time during this Christmas season. Uh, go to your Christmas Eve service. Hang out. Do some do some Advent stuff. You know, and, uh, and really celebrate. And try in the midst of all the crazy, which I love. I love all the Christmas crazy. But in the midst of all that, to remember... Uh, the Son of God who came to live and die for us. Uh, so, folks, as always, we remind you that God is the game master. No matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.